Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Crouch uh, here as always with Drew Dinsick. Different location today. Uh, we're going to run through Texans, Ravens, Chiefs, Bills, Bucks, Lions. Uh, now that we know all of the matchups, but first, Drew, how did you enjoy the Monday games? Uh, Bills, Steelers, and uh, and Bucks, Eagles. Uh, the the early game was weird, uh, not just because it was a Monday and there was football on at uh, four in the afternoon, but uh, the outcome and the way the game kind of unfolded was bizarre. Um, the result was not good for me. I would have loved the back door there by the Steelers, but um, you know it. it uh, it, you can cut it two ways. The margin of victory was 14 points, and the Steelers basically gave the Bills 14 points with these, uh, you know, the George Pickens fumble and the uh, pick in the end zone. So, um, you know, maybe the game was closer than the final score said, but at the same time, every time it felt like the Bills needed to do something, um, they did it and they made it look easy. <laughs> so I think uh, ultimately, clearly the right side won. Uh, and uh, if you bet, bet some over once they uh, changed the date of the game, congratulations. That was the one of the easier bets of the weekend. Um, that said, uh, you know, Bills are a really interesting handicap against the Chiefs this week. Um, so many thoughts, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that as well. Uh, the nightcap for me with the Bucks could not have gotten any better. Um, I had an under in that one that got home. I had the Bucks money line that got home in exotics. Uh, so that was a huge, a huge result, and uh, we get to um, – you know, I, I honestly put the Eagles out of their misery. <laughs> I think it's better for everyone that we don't have to uh, kind of figure out what's going on there anymore and they could use a break. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy to uh, to move on from uh, from Philadelphia. Yeah, I can't remember a – I mean, I can't remember an in-season collapse um, of that ilk. Uh, I have to think back to, like, the New York Mets blowing the NFC East in like 2007, that kind of stuff to see that a team uh, so completely collapsed. I don't understand, still don't understand why their defense fell off so much from last year when it was an elite unit. I don't know what happened to James Bradbury. I just get, I guess he just got old really fast. Uh, and they were like, they really, they turned into an extreme example of the Cowboys where if they're not getting quick pressure, then there's just nothing there. There's absolutely nothing in the back seven. Uh, and you could see it last night. Like the only times the defense worked was when they were sacking Baker Mayfield. If they didn't sack him, then uh, it was just game over. So bizarre sequence of games for Philadelphia, bizarre season for Jalen Hurts. It's the 2022 Hurts season where he was the MVP favorite before he got hurt really late in the year. It looks so incongruous with what he did in 21 and 23 because this year he's just looked like the guy that he was in 2021. He looks so indecisive, 
the safety that he took was about as bad a place I can remember, given that the game, I mean, it was still in the balance at that point. It was 16-9. It's a one-score game. The Bucks are not this absolute force that you think is going to march down the field every single time, though they were having success. And if he just throws the ball away and they punt, then maybe it's still a game. But to your point, it really did feel like a team that was ready to be put out uh, of its misery. Uh, and uh, and we move on. And as someone who someone who in the comeback player of the year market is heavily on Tamar Hamlin and Baker Mayfield, could have used that performance, Baker, uh, in uh, week 17 <laughs> or week 18. Uh, I don't think he's going to win the award now, uh, but he could have if he served that up against the Panthers. Uh, guess, yeah, one final thought on the postmortem for the Eagles defense. <clears throat> I do think the defense regression from last year was pretty predictable because the defense was inflated in a lot of people's eyes because they played a schedule of very, very easy quarterbacks last year, uh, combined with the fact that they were in extremely positive game states. Like that team was up 20 points in the second half of almost every game they they were in last year, uh, particularly in the regular season. And then, of course, got to play you know the Niners without Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, so like things really, really broke favorably for the Eagles in terms of helping kind of, you know, just really inflate the perception of that defense last year. And then in the offseason, they had to choose between bringing back the linebacking core, bringing back the secondary, and they elected to bring back the secondary. And those guys did not perform well, namely Bradbury and Slay. Uh, and, you know, without linebackers and without uh, outstanding safety play, the spine of the defense was just nothing to really write home about. And that uh, got, became a problem the deeper they went in the season and the more people kind of figured out how you wanted to attack that unit. Uh, and then all of a sudden, if you're not in a, you know, an especially positive game state, that then, uh, you know, the pass rush doesn't really matter. It only really mattered last night on third downs when it was like third and long and an obvious passing down. Well, those are, you know, that's, that's when, you know, they got to thrive the entirety of last year. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was, it was relatively predictable. Um, certainly Roseman needs to probably come under a little bit of scrutiny for, uh, you know, how he's populated the D some of the defensive decisions they made uh, in the draft. And if those guys don't come good, then, uh, you know, then they're going to be taking a major step backwards. But I don't think Jalen Hurts deserves the criticism that he's getting broadly. And uh, it's mostly, you know, he was injured. We knew he was hurt. He was a one dimensional player as far as, you know, where he was able to attack on the field compared to last year. And uh, I think uh, it won't be. <clears throat> I won't be surprised, at least if we hear, you know, kind of uh, rumblings that, oh, yeah, actually, he was more hurt than we really realized. And uh, he's going to be, you know, having some offseason surgery to get right, uh, particularly with knee, uh, some, some of the knee pain that was clearly limiting him. So, um, you know, it was a tough game to go into without uh, your number one uh, wide receiving threat, which is why it was still very, very, very tough to rationalize why the Eagles were three-point favorites yesterday. And I think uh, ultimately uh, not not being results biased, it's still uh, kind of a mystery to me why the Bucs uh, were um, dogs at home in that one. Yeah, I think ultimately a big part of that had to be just Baker Mayfield's health. And like he, sure. he, did, he did not look resemble at all the guy who showed up in Carolina and was limping around and just like Great couldn't point. throw the ball 10 yards downfield. But from the first few plays, you could tell like he was just playing with the completely different just level of health, uh, level of just zip, the way he's moving around, level of decisiveness. And yeah, it's definitely a fair comment about the Eagles defense, it's still like they were the fourth best defense in the NFL last year. By EPA for play this year, they were what 30th. And Brad Bradbury was an, Bradbury was second team all pro last year. And this year he's played like close yeah. to the worst cornerback in football. Uh and 
I mean, it's it's kind of sad, really, because in interviews he comes off very well and he takes ownership. But I mean, it's just absolutely brutal. Uh, the tackling, like, why is he tackling guys around their shoulders? Like, it's just made no sense whatsoever. Um, so, tough end for the Eagles. Uh, but we'll talk about the team that moved on from that game in a sec. But let's start with the AFC. Texans at Ravens. Uh, the line is Ravens minus nine, ticking up towards nine and a half. Some spots. The total is forty-four. Looks like there will be no rain at this point in Baltimore, though there will be uh, a chunk of wind. Uh, is this should CJ Stroud ever be a nine-point fav- uh, nine-point doctor? Uh, not by my numbers. <laughs> I think. Uh... What we've seen from him, uh, not just in these high leverage last two games, but really over the balance of the season as he's grown into the role of the starter in Houston has been, uh, you know, top 10 quarterback level, clearly. Uh, And if you have a quarterback that can perform at that level in a playoff environment, even against a good defense, I think you're alive to score enough points to stay in contention here, stay in reach. Uh, I think uh, fair here should be Ravens seven and a half. So I'm happy to take nine, nine and a half uh, here. And I think ultimately uh, won't be shocked if the Texans are, uh, you know, all, you know, in this game or even win this game. Um, we shouldn't be surprised by that. I, I think uh, the playoffs field in general is pretty flat. And while it is notable that the Ravens are effectively at full strength now, um, you know, kind of very carefully watching for Mark Andrews news. Uh, he was uh, kind of identified as um, available to come off of IR quietly last week uh, and then uh, would expect he's going to practice this week. If he goes, that's definitely a dimension in the Ravens offense that's worth paying attention to. Although in his absence, they kind of looked better. <laughs> the passing offense at least had a little bit more, a little less predictability. Is that a thing? Um, it's uh, it, it did feel like uh, Lamar kind of came into his own more in the final third of the season when Andrews wasn't out there. So uh, that just, you know, that, that doesn't really mean much, I don't think. I think it's more just Lamar and the offense kind of growing into, uh, you know, what was a new system that Todd Monk had brought to the table for them. So you know, the Ravens offense is, is definitely going to probably determine this game one way or the other when it's all said and done. The Texans defense is not very good. And we know this. Uh, and in general, I think the injuries that they have had over the final quarter of the season and the playoffs, uh, you know, could matter quite a lot. If they don't, if they're not at full strength on the D line, if they have guys unavailable in terms of pass rush, when, you know, pass rush opportunities, then uh, the Ravens pass protection should be pretty good here. Uh, and I think you could have Lamar in a situation where either they're playing from ahead pretty comfortably or they in a comeback mode, they're able to get it done. Um, in the back of my head, there's a birdie saying, you know, hey, we need to see Lamar Jackson perform at a, you know, at the same level we've seen in the regular season in the postseason, just as proof of concept that he can do it. I believe he can. Um, but I kind of do need to see it to, to really have any confidence that the Ravens are a team that you want to be laying points with in the playoffs. Um, notable in his three I mean, you know, I mean, just frankly, in the three games we've seen uh, from Lamar Jackson in a playoff setting, uh, he hasn't been great. And I think, uh, you know, the two games we've seen from C.J. Stroud, he's been ultimately, you know, he's been incredible. If you want to include the the game against Georgia last year, you, the three games we've seen from him, he's been, you know, just on another level. So, um, 
it's not going to blow me away if that is sort of the setting for this game and the Ravens have to, you know, either claw their way back into it to get the, to get the win or, you know, just can't find the right uh, combination to, to get it home because the Texans are playing with house money right now. They're a young team. Uh, and uh, even though, you know, there are still some questions about uh, who you have, you know, in terms of weapons, uh, Nico Collins has emerged as a true blue wide receiver one. Uh, and, uh, you know, Will, Will Anderson, if he is right, can, you know, definitely generate some pressure, which could be a distinguishing factor here. So um, ultimately, I do think the Ravens will win and move on. Um, but I like uh, Texans plus the points. And I think this game probably lands inside or around seven. Yep. I am not convinced that the Ravens have the better quarterback uh, in this game. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not convinced there's a massive edge on that front. And also, I think that in the way that the Ravens closed the season, I mean, just throw out the Pittsburgh game in week 18 because that wasn't a real game for them. But just with the way they closed the season, I think now if you ask the average NFL fan who the best team in the NFL is, most people would say Baltimore because Baltimore happened to beat uh, San Francisco in San Francisco. Now, obviously... The market will still tell you that San Francisco is the best team, but we're like two real games removed from the from the Ravens closing six and a half point dogs in San Francisco. Like this Ravens team, and I get that they were incredibly impressive in that game, though a large chunk of that was the fact that Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, three of them being tip balls, and Purdy just. Purdy imploded to the point where he, he just wasn't going to win that game uh, the way that he was playing beyond the interceptions and uh, beating Miami, even though Miami kind of revealed themselves as frauds uh, towards the end of the season and in their playoff game, still very impressive to be able to beat them 56-19. But, I mean, this is still the same Ravens team that like really should have lost at home to the Rams in a game that they needed. They... Uh, they allowed uh, Deshaun Watson, who had, what, a fractured shoulder and a high ankle sprain, to uh, complete every single pass uh, in the second half at home and lose that game 33-31. They weren't super impressive against the Chargers in that Sunday night game. Like, I, st- I think this is the best team in the AFC, but I think the idea that they are a tier above by themselves, a tier above the Bills and the Chiefs, I think that's probably wrong. I think they're closer to just the best team in a tier of those three. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Niners and they wouldn't be favored in the Super Bowl if that is the matchup. So I think this team is beatable. Now, I'm not sure that Houston, between the weaknesses that they have outside of Stroud with just how injured they are on defense, with the offensive line not being great, with Stroud coming up against, and I know the Browns had an elite historic pass defense, but that wasn't that wasn't the defense um, they weren't the same defense by the end of the year with all their injuries. So this will obviously be Stroud's toughest test uh, on the road. And there's a reason that the Ravens are favored by more than a touchdown, but certainly at nine, inching towards nine and a half, the Texans would be the side here for me. Do you think that that's fair to like question that the Ravens are perhaps not actually um, an all-world juggernaut? I think it's 100% fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought what I was saying was a little bit less fair, which is that there's speculation that Lamar Jackson is going to revert back to, you know, the guy he was three years ago in the playoffs. Yeah, maybe he may, he may have completely grown out of that. So it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's tough to say what you're going to get there. Um, but uh, the idea that uh, the Ravens have kind of risen and risen and risen just on the basis of you know, finishing the season strong uh, and we haven't seen them pl- like we haven't seen them you know, play a stinker in a while. And for that reason alone, they're inflated. 
I think that is 100% fair. And I think that's giving you two free points in this one. Yep. No, I like it. All right. Texans it is. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Chiefs at Bills. Uh, this was the line that surprised me the most. I don't, I don't really understand this one. So the Bills are effectively <laughs> three-point favorites in this one. Pretty much most places are like minus two and a half, minus 120 on the Bills. The total is 46. Uh, this is the Sunday late game on CBS. I'm surprised this line is so big with just the amount of injuries that Buffalo took um in that monday game against pittsburgh like here are some of the guys out like terrell bernard got carted off uh he was the effectively the matt milano replacement they're already without terrell dodson who at least by pff is an absolute monster and one of the best linebackers uh in the sport this season dodson's backup balen specter did his back and got injured against the steelers so uh it was the aj klein show uh who was not in the nfl a week ago uh, he's the, he may be the starting line. He probably will be the starting linebacker against the Chiefs. Christian Benford uh, hurt his knee, did not come back in the game. Uh, Teron Johnson, who is an all-pro slot corner, uh, he got concussed, I believe, for the second time this season, which puts him in serious doubt in a short turnaround. Um, Rasul Douglas and Taylor Rapp, they didn't play uh, already. It looks like Douglas will come back. Uh, and Gabe Davis wasn't able to go. Like, that is a ton of guys, and they're already missing Matt Milano and Trey Watt. Uh, do you think that that's just the tipping point of not no return, but to the point where the Bills shouldn't be, you know, effectively three-point three, three, three point favorites against Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you cataloged that well. Um, the market has kind of come off of three at a lot of important places. It's two and a half now, um, although juicy two and a half. Um, one of the, I guess the other kind of two wrinkles here, you know, there's a two day rest advantage for Kansas city. They played Saturday bills played Monday bills are at home uh, and for whatever it's worth, uh, <laughs> the chiefs performing well in Buffalo, getting, making that crowd a little tight, taking a little bit of the home field advantage away. I can see it, but the, um, uh, we're not that far removed from Buffalo going into Kansas city, uh, in the month of December and the uh, Kansas city closed one and a half point favorites. So at that time you had kind of market consensus that the bills were a better team. Um, albeit a small margin better. Uh, and now here they are at home. And so I think three was a fair opener. And I think there was, I thought at least there was real realistic scope that people were going to be excited about the outcome against the Pittsburgh Steelers, excited about the, you know, the winning streak that they put together here. And you might even get, uh, you know, some sentiment that gave us a, a shot at three and a half on Kansas City because the Chiefs are the side that I really wanted in this contest. Um, now that it's kind of been bet down to two and a half, I'm really staring hard at my numbers and I'm really refreshing. I'm going to be refreshing aggressively the injury information 
consideration for the Buffalo Bills defense all week because that is going to ultimately determine this game. Make zero mistake about what was responsible for the Bills turnaround this season. It was their defense uh, defensive replacement level players, specifically Dodson and Bernard, fortifying the second layer there, the second level, and uh, you know just becoming better linebackers and better fits for what McDermott wanted to do with the defense. If those guys do not go, the Chiefs are going to have little resistance moving the ball in this contest because if all you've got is a front four that can rush passer and create pressure led by your interior guys who are kind of the most important of that unit and you're up against the Chiefs defense that has one of the better interior pass protections in the NFL and a quarterback in Mahomes who will scramble on a moment's notice in a playoff setting, you are in deep trouble if your linebacker core cannot hang. And that is kind of the key for this entire game. I cannot believe we are saying it, but a a, a game involving Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen in the divisional round of the playoffs depends on the health of Terrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard. (laughs) And and that is obscene and wild and crazy, but it is, it is the case. Linebackers, people used to joke, off ball linebackers don't matter. They matter so much in this game. I, I can't really wrap my head around it. I agree that Douglas will go, but, it's not like there's a wide receiver one for the uh, Chiefs that you really want Douglas to kind of take off the field. I guess Rasheed Rice would be that guy. He has emerged, but uh, you know, it's not like they target Rice to the degree where that like really impacts the Chiefs' ability to move the ball. I don't think. Um, and you do have a decent, uh, you know, kind of way, you, you know, kind of quality safeties at least to kind of uh, help uh, buckle up on uh, on Travis Kelsey. So maybe this becomes a game where the Chiefs are most effective on the ground if the linebacking core is not good to go. Um, but uh, certainly the idea that the Chiefs can, um, you know, can can get a win in a, um, you know, in a high profile contest like this uh, is wide open with uh, the injuries that the Bills sustained yesterday. Uh, the, you know, we're zeroing almost entirely on, you know, the, the Bills defense, because again, that's what really got them to this point in the season. It wasn't changing over from um, Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady, in my opinion. It wasn't Josh Allen cutting down on turnovers. He's still the same guy. Um, but uh, certainly the uh, the Chiefs defense is going to be a very tough test for this unit. You saw, I think, in the contest in December in Kansas City, the rushing attack for the Bills was awesomely effective in the first half of that game. And for weird reasons, they went away from it uh, and it all kind of fell apart for them. Uh, and uh, they barely hung on <laughs> thanks to the uh, the you know, the offsides call uh, on uh, you know Kadarius Tony to get that one home but um, you know so I think there's there's you know there's scope for some success here for the uh, the bills on the ground but uh, you know the key I would I would uh, kind of look to here is if both of these teams are largely leaning into the ground game and that's where they're going to find the most success is 46 a fair total or is 46 too high? And for me, if I only can take one bet into this game, knowing what we know now, and even saying that I'm concerned about one of these defenses and their health, I still think that this total is too high because this game could just be shortened on the basis of uh, both of these teams largely being successful in the rushing attack uh, and just in general, the clock tick, 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 ticking. Yep. No, I think that's fair. And I think it's interesting about uh, Bernard and Dodson, the idea of, uh, off-ball linebackers who, to your point, have been so marginalized and 
I mean, the money ball approach, which Howie Roseman kind of embodies is to just, you know, disregard the value of, well, to, to disregard prioritizing off-ball linebackers and running backs, basically. Um, off-ball linebackers are the defense's equivalent of the running back in terms of how they're perceived. And, uh, and you saw that so glaringly kind of um, targeted by particularly San Francisco in that Philly game where it's like, yeah. all right, well, yeah, we're just going to destroy your linebackers every day to the point where, I mean, one of the guys who was filling in for Philly got cut like two days later <laughs> after that San Francisco game. And I think it's going to be a problem against a Chiefs offense that, to me, against Miami, looked as fixed as it's been all year. Like, they should have scored 40 in that game, but they kept on shooting themselves in the foot and some high-leverage plays went against them. Uh, and I understand that Miami is really banged up, but they still had some guys on the defense. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a concern for Buffalo. I think it's also a concern that... When these two teams played, and I know the Bills, they closed only one and a half point dogs, but like they were coming off the bye. Chiefs were coming off a road all game against the Packers. So I think that equalized things a bit. And Josh Allen was negative EPA per play in that game. Now, Patrick Mahomes is also negative EPA per play in that game. But if the Bills are missing half their defense, then you would think that there is probably more scope for Mahomes to improve upon that. I worry as someone who needs uh the bills in this game that we're going to see like a lot of james cook and a lot of running the ball against kansas city and a lot of runs on second and nine uh and it's going to be infuriating uh and it's going to be too late until they finally take the chains off and just let josh go to work i think that the miami game was also another data point to the idea that mahomes just has another gear in the playoffs which is you know, usually saying that is a kind of uh, easy pundit talking point. But with Mahomes, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that is a real statistical thing that in games where he's an underdog or the spread is under three, he just goes to another level, uh, whether that's uh, a, a focus thing, whether it's a play calling thing or just dialing up more pass plays and putting more on Mahomes' plate, whether it's more willingness to sacrifice his body on these scrambles. Now, a lot of the same stuff applies to Allen. I just think Mahomes is better than Allen, uh, and I think that his <laughs> gear is probably higher. And if the Bills are seriously banged up on defense uh, and the Chiefs then have the better defense, and I think the Bills have the slightly better offense, but uh, I don't trust the play calling as much on Buffalo's side. So I agree with you on the under, uh, and I lean Chiefs right now uh, at the spread. So uh, we're ready for a uh, sixth year in a row AFC championship game in Kansas city. Is that where we're at? <laughs> yeah. That would be, that would be something. Yeah. The, uh, the incumbent, um, hey, your graphic figure against uh, against the next Jesus and CJ Stroud um, could be could be coming. Um, but no, I'm very concerned about my bills uh, who I was feeling yeah. really good about going to the Steelers game just these injuries like you just yeah. sometimes you just reach the point of no return and i just worry that we're going to be seeing uh aj klein trying to cover a streaking rasheed rice on a slant route that goes 70 yards to the house um it's a little bit of a concern and i know klein was fine against the steelers but it's like fine against mason rudolph it's not going to necessarily be fine against uh patrick mahomes i don't think that oh. guy has anything any, <laughs> i think that guy has any prayer in coverage um so that's going to be a problem all right uh, before we get into the last game, the Lions are looking to continue their storybook season, Drew, and they can advance 
to the NFC Championship game with a win over Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. Coverage of the divisional round matchup in Detroit begins at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, the Lions, the opener was six. It's already ticked up to Lions minus six and a half. The total is a massive 48 and a half. Two former number one picks not playing for the teams that drafted them. Storylines galore. On paper, like Bucks lions if you were told this is going to be the divisional round matchup back in week eight, you would have been, uh, NBC probably would have been pretty upset. But the way that's broken, I think this is a pretty good matchup. Uh, a total of... 48 and a half, which implies that this is going to be something resembling a shootout, lots of storylines, yeah. you know, Baker Mayfield and the NFC title game, uh, which is incredible when you think about where he was at uh, in preseason, where he was at in like week nine as well. This is unfathomable, but I think the Bucks they've showed a gear against the Eagles and really in the last six weeks of the season, if you throw out the Carolina game because Baker was hobbled, that suggests that they're going to be able to score against the Detroit defense that, look, and I don't think that Baker Mayfield is actually, you know, a, a superstar quarterback who's going to be able to light up the Niners and the Ravens, but I think he can probably light up Detroit. Uh, do you think six and a half points is too many here? No, I think it's right. I think it should be. Yeah. And like uh, the Baker Mayfield part of it is fascinating because you're right. Like in the preseason, they were threatening to take away his job and give it to Kyle Trask. Uh, and uh, I think last night on the broadcast, I kind of did like a triple take when they put up uh, the fact that um, uh, Todd Bowles is the eighth head coach <laughs> that he has played for. How is that possible? Uh, this is number eight uh, for him. But I will say that just in general, what they're getting out of, uh, you know, the skill position players right now, like it's not going to be enough, I don't think. Um, and uh, yes, I will acknowledge that Rashad White has been a huge breath of fresh air for a running attack that could do nothing last year. Uh, and yes, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are you know guys that have a gear that makes it tough on any defense, and they're going up against a soft lines core. Like you were in a pretty friendly environment last night, guys, and you were playing against a team that couldn't tackle. And I lost count of drops at like seven yeah. in that game. Like there were so many lost opportunities where the ball hit the ground uh, against a, uh, you know, a, 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 and you're at home in a, you know, prime time, comfortable environment. So it was a little shocking to see. Uh, and I think ultimately, uh, if those guys aren't sharper uh, against the uh, the Detroit Lions, that number one, this total is not getting there. And number two, I don't think they're covering. Um, ultimately, the fact that the Bucks got to play from a positive game state last night was huge because, you know, in general, their, their pass protection 
position is is good, um, but uh, up against uh, you know kind of really truly elite players, they have broken down at times this season. They haven't faced many tough pass pro, uh, pass brushes uh, this season, and I do like what you're seeing right now out of the uh, Lions defense in terms of pass rush. So. Um, just in general, I think this is, uh, you know, if, if you miss the five and a half on the open, if you miss the six on the open, uh, six and a half, I think, is still a tiny edge to bet uh, the Linos. And, um, you know, the defense for the Buccaneers is pretty much at full strength. Like, this is the unit that they wanted to go to war with. Uh, this is the unit that Todd Bowles, you know, and he's calling the defense that he wants to call. Like, it's a blitz-heavy pack, you know, blitz-heavy packages and just in general, uh, you know, kind of leaves his cornerbacks on islands. And that can get you into trouble. Devontae Smith was having whatever he wanted last night. And uh, while he is, yes, an outstanding receiver, uh, he still, you know, is he won. Number one was in the wide receiver one role and was getting whatever he wanted. Uh, and number two, uh, you know, I think with a little bit more creative scheming, um, like, you know, going from Brian Johnson to a Ben Johnson scheme, uh, I think you could be in a little bit of trouble uh, with your cornerbacks on islands if your uh, blitz heavy, you know, uh, defense isn't getting home. And I really just don't see it getting home against uh, the uh, Lions pass pro as currently constituted. So I think Jared Goff, Monroe, St. Brown, Reynolds, Williams, Laporta, um, these guys should have a lot of success through the air in this contest. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is coming into his own. He looks fresh. He looks very, very dangerous. Uh, the fact that you have a double-edged sword balanced pass and run right now for the Lions, I think, is uh, is very, very effective. And uh, ultimately, uh, this has the whiffs of the Lions, like, you know, kind of – Popping the bubble on the Bucks. Uh, Bucks go home as you know double-digit losers, uh, and uh, Lions move into an NFC Championship game where they could potentially be wildly overrated. Yes, I think that's fair. It's hard to remember because back when these two teams played back in Week Six, I don't think anyone thought that this was going to be you know a divisional round preview, but they did play back in Week Six, and the Lions absolutely destroyed Tampa Bay, uh, and I think it's instructive the manner in which they did it. So they won by 14. They won 20 to 6 in Tampa. Uh, and the way that they did it was, so they couldn't run the ball at all. And now there was no Jameer Gibbs in that game, but uh, they ran. the Lions ran for 1.8 yards per carry. And it didn't matter because Jared Goff was 30-44 for 353 yards and two touchdowns, uh, 74.3 QBR, which I think would have been the best in the NFL across a full season. So they lit them up through the air. And then on the other side, Mayfield couldn't do anything. He was 19-37 through a pick, no touchdowns. Uh, they couldn't get anything going, which is, I think, it doesn't work particularly well. Now, they were a different and worse team at that point, the Bucs, uh, and the Lions are probably of a somewhat similar quality to how they were then when they were 5-1. and one. So I think this game is going to be closer than that. But I think the way to attack this game is that I don't think the Lions are going to have a ton of success running the ball. I think this Bucks rushing defense, as it has been for years, uh, is a really strong unit, uh, and the Lions weren't able to have any success the first time around. So I think this is going to be a golf game, to your point. And he has opened at 264.5 passing yards. Me, that's way too low. And I would look at stuff like if you like the Lions in this game, like you can back – um, Goff 325 plus Lions alt spread minus nine and a half. It's like 11 to one. Uh, and that happened in the first game uh, when they played. So I think there is scope for um, Goff 
going heavily over uh, and the Lions kind of lighting them up uh, and Baker Mayfield having to play from behind and Baker Mayfield dropping back with Aiden Hutchinson pinning his ears back, um, knowing that it's going to be, a, that it's going to skew past, I think is a problem for Tampa Bay. Now, the one concern is that you get nervous when a team is this heavily favoured and it's on the shoulders of Jared Goff, uh, who I think is going to have to play well in this game. You would much rather, I think, is, if you're a Lions fan, you probably prefer a defence that's profile skews the other way where it's a softer run defence and the, the Lions can just run all over you because that just kind of produces a more stable, less variable outcome in terms of how their offence is going to operate. Uh, and if Goff... Goff just has these bad games. Like he can just have games like he did against uh, against the Bears late in the season, or even at home in a dome against the Packers defense, which isn't good at all. Where he just completely submarines you. Now, I think it's it's a good sign that he was able to play really well against the Rams. Uh, and by my numbers, if there's one bet to make in the Super Bowl market right now, it's actually Detroit plus nine hundred, which I don't feel Ooh. great about. But I just think that the fact that one they're six and a half point favorites in this game. Two, very big thing for Jared Goff is that the Super Bowl is in a dome. That's massive for him, mm-hmm. given that how poorly he plays outdoors relative um, to when the conditions aren't a factor. So I'm with you. I think that the Lions are the side. It just it makes me nervous when Goff is going to be the key to everything. Here's one thing to kind of give you a little bit of, a, uh, I guess, maybe a little, little confidence in Goff, right? When you think of blitz-heavy defensive schemes, right? Yeah. You know, Tampa Bay should come to mind. Uh, you know who else should come to mind is the Minnesota Vikings. And Goff got to play the Vikings twice uh, yeah. in, like, the last four weeks. And so this is not going to be something new. Uh, and in general, I think the Buccaneers are not as effective blitzing as the Vikings. Uh, and the Viking, you know, the, the Lions pass pro held up perfectly well in those two games. And I thought uh, Goff did perfectly fine. So uh, ultimately... <clears throat> um, this game will come down to the uh, the scheme that uh, Ben Johnson has, and you know the route running and the uh, you know just the playmaking of the Lions wide receivers. And if you're telling me I got to go to war with uh, you know you know St. Brown, uh, Raymond, and Williams and Mulporta uh, against this unit of uh, of pass defenders, um, I'm looking at Lions alt spreads honestly. Yep, I don't mind that, and I think that the Bucks defense is going to be overvalued by people after what they did against Philadelphia. I think that was such a, just a a strange fluky context where they had 10 unblocked pressures in that game, which is the most any team has had in a game all season. Hertz faced quick pressure. The most he has is I believe in his entire career. And they were just blitzing time and time again. Eagles would go empty bucks blitz and they just had no answer. It's like, I'm not sure if that was, I mean, it's probably, it has to be a combination, a scheme thing. And then also just no one outside of Devontae Smith could get open quickly um, as a blitz beater and just hurts. I think hurts is so in his own head at this point where there were plays where like he's looking at Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith is open and he just doesn't throw the ball. Like it just seems like he's just kind of, there's just something off in the wiring. Uh, and I think that between um, Ben Johnson's scheme, between the ability of guys like, Monroe St. Brown and Jameson Williams and Sam Laporta, their ability to get open quickly. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to be in trouble. Uh, if, you know, to your point, I think could look a lot like the Vikings game. Um, games. And by the way, yes, Vikings and Tampa are both blitz heavy teams, 
Vikings are also just the better defense. Uh, <laughs> they are, yes, I agree. So I think it's going to be a problem, and I think that the way that this goes south for Detroit is if Goff just has a Goff implosion game uh, and anything outside of that, and they should be pretty comfortable in this one. Okay, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.